Sage is a free spirit and empathetic individual, and someone who can walk into a room and make everyone feel at peace immediately. Born in Korea, Sage moved to the United States at a young age. She has lived from the East Coast in places like New York and New Jersey to various other states on the West Coast of the United States, as well as traveled endlessly worldwide. She's worked in Morocco on a documentary and traveled throughout different continents, now moved back to Harlem, New York City. However, once she found the profession of a doula, she came back to it. She helps women feel comfortable and aids the process of giving birth. Tune into this podcast and learn about the emotional support a doula offers during the birthing process. We hope you enjoy the show. Could you begin just by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about who you are and what you do now? Okay. Um, my name is Sage, and I attended a doula training in early 2013, and um, I did both my birth and postpartum doula trainings that year. Okay. And I've been working as one on and off since then and diving full-time into it now. That's so cool. How did you find out about being a doula? Like, what opened up your eyes for that? Um, I had a friend uh, who had immigrated to the States in her adulthood, and her English wasn't perfect, and she ended up becoming pregnant and having the baby here in New York City, and I went to go visit her right after she gave birth, and she had had a really tough experience. Even though the doctors and nurses were, like, professional and kind enough to her, I remember she just looked at me from her hospital bed and was like, in America, do women not feel pain anymore during birth? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I don't know. They gave me this like shot and then I just didn't feel anything. And I went home and did some research and realized that she had gotten an epidural, which mm-hmm. is a serious medical procedure. It's not without risks and it should, it comes with like a stack of consent forms that you have to sign before you do it. But yeah. because she didn't speak very good English, they just rushed her through it and gave her the impression that she couldn't deny it and um, she just had a really lonely birthing experience where she was alone in the room for most of the time and nobody was explaining to her anything that was going on and the baby was quite premature and I stayed up all night like realizing from research that this was actually the norm for birthing in hospitals in the states and across the world right now but the states is especially bad especially for other i was gonna say i feel like most people get epidermals and i think it's just because they like think that that's what is supposed to happen right like you're supposed to just be able to like it's so painful that no matter what everyone takes medicine and it's just like you're doing it's gonna be really awful and then and then you like go through the process but yeah, that's so interesting exactly exactly so I did all this research and I remember I stayed up like really late into that night and um I came across a documentary called Orgasmic Birth which is made by Deborah Pascali Bonaro and um she's the woman who I've taken both of my doula trainings with and she's like amazing epic she's done doula trainings in like two dozen countries around the world she's spoken at conferences around the mm-hmm. world like Europe Africa Asia like mm-hmm. she does it all 
But anyway, I came across this documentary that was like, oh, like, a lot of women are actually capable of having orgasms during yeah. birth, which is like so outside of like the pain that we're taught to yeah. believe in, and that so much of it just comes from feeling emotionally safe and supported during birth, which is completely yeah. like out the window in a medicalized birth. So then um, I came across the word doula, and I was like, oh my god, this is so interesting. I can't believe I've never heard of this. This, this yeah. sounds like a huge human rights and feminist um, issue and I can't believe it's just it's just never occurred to me before and then the very next day I met a woman I was doing Airbnb at the time and this middle-aged woman comes with her teenage daughter and I'm like oh like what do you do for a living she's like I've been a doula for the last 30 years and I was like what tell me more and I've actually since then I've like tried to go back in my emails to like find her name and I haven't been able to track her down but <laughs> In that is such chance, a cool story, though. Yeah. I love, I love but that. But she was um, in ba- in Vancouver in the past, up to, I think, kind of the recent past, there was a lot of um, bad legislation about births. Mm-hmm. Uh, home birth midwifery may have been illegal. There were some midwives, like, being jailed. Um, the legislation was really messed up, and she was just, like, a doula through, like, all of that. And she also, mm-hmm. like, in the 80s, like, went to the Soviet Union to like collect seed samples from like local farmers so they could like continue like heritage vegetables like she just had all these wild stories but I just I asked her like all of the questions I had about being a doula and um yeah after that I decided to do my training and then I googled and I was like holy shit the woman who made orgasmic birth is like she does trainings in New York City and they're affordable so I did that and um yeah I think that's so crazy. Can you talk about like the whole process of like before yeah. birth, what you're doing throughout the whole thing, yeah. and then obviously like post? Yeah. So a birth doula usually meets a client, um, like we'll have an initial interview where they decide whether or not they want to hire me. Okay. And then after that... Do they see multiple people or is that just like, yeah, so it's like usually, based on comfort, like whatever yeah. they feel mm-hmm. is happening? Okay. There's a website called doulamatch.net, which most people okay. in New York City use. Okay. And... Um, they will interview and then after they decide to hire me we'll do um we'll like sign an agreement so they know what kind of services i provide and what i don't and okay something that's important is that doulas are not medically trained and we don't do heart checks or vaginal exams we don't take their temperature we don't do anything yeah. medical at all so people okay. think that we're like a weird kind of like hippied out midwife and I'm like no midwives are like very medically trained and competent and doulas are here to fill like the spiritual and emotional gap and yeah there's like the void that they need to yeah yeah and physical comfort and like giving backgrounds and things like that um so yeah uh studies have shown that even with like random doulas that are paired like they meet while the woman is in labor the effects are just as good yeah. But sometimes if you have a friend or family member trained as a doula, the effects are not quite as there. And they think that's because so much of birth is about, like, you really have to, like, let go. Yeah. And be, like, naked, like, pooping yeah. while you push, like, all kinds of things yeah. stuff yeah. goes down. So that there's maybe a level where women are more comfortable, like, with having a stranger there. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, so it's yeah. actually not a lot of emphasis on, like, prenatal meetings. But we'll meet, okay. like, once or twice to go over... Their birth preferences and if they haven't like 
done a lot of research. I'll gauge to see if they want more resources from me about like what kind of decisions that are like pretty standard for hospitals to ask. Like, do you want an epidural? Like, do you want a planned C-section? Like, different kinds of okay. things that are um, options now. And then, yeah, during the birth, they'll usually... Um, people will call doulas much before it's time to call a hospital or a midwife okay. because labor oftentimes can start like a week or more before the baby actually comes out like Braxton Hicks contractions yeah. is like yeah. a conventional way to call okay. it but sometimes you'll start to get contractions or some people call them surges now okay um and then they'll like slow and stop for a day or two and then they come back so the doula is the person who like isn't um I don't know, the doula is the person that can come, like, early on in labor and just, like, hang out, and, like, mm -hmm. something that they always tell us in trainings is, like, we can, like, bake with them to take their mind off of things and kind of, like, see cool. the yeah. rhythm of the contractions, and then okay. sometimes um, I'll be like, okay, like, if I know that they're, this is probably not going to progress for, like, another day or two, I'll just be like, stay hydrated, take a walk, but don't walk too much, and, yeah. like, try to get some naps in, and, like shower do your thing I'm gonna go home and I'll like I'll be back in like 12 hours or a day and okay. usually they're like looking at me like I'm crazy like you can't leave us and but you're like, I'm, I like promise yeah you. but I'm like I'll turn right around if things speed up and usually yeah. they kind of like take a day and then um I'll go to the home with them and if they want to go to a home a hospital or birth center um I'll stay with them until the contractions or surges get much stronger together but it's like you don't want to stay like, the more intense the labor is, the more, like, terrible it is to be in a moving vehicle. Right. So you don't want to wait too late to, like, transfer to the hospital. Because okay. actually, if they're, like, really getting rolling and then you're, like, in a cab in New York City with a stranger driving the car or an Uber or something, then, like, that can make the person feel really unstable and then it'll, like, it can stop labor or slow it down significantly. So yeah. Just different things. Um... But most people, if they want to avoid um, epidurals or um, other interventions in birth, they they want to stay at home longer so that like the temptation isn't there and also that they're more comfortable for a longer period yeah. of time. So then, yeah, yeah. then we go to the hospital. Usually, we're in triage for like a while, sometimes for hours, because every hospital I've been to in New York City, and I've been to around four now I think they're okay. like they're all understaffed not enough beds I've been at like Harlem hospital sometimes they don't have enough like pillows and blankets and nurses are running from one room to another because yeah. they just can't give enough attention to yeah. the women and like even when they do have enough to go around they only most hospitals the nurses come in like once an hour to check like read the machines take some notes and go um and the doctors are called in like when the baby's like coming on the way yeah. that's insane yeah so it's really like the hours of women alone that is like the huge gap yeah. that doulas fill because they're like we were never meant to do this alone. i don't know there's scientific theories that like other primates um when they give birth the baby's head is usually like facing the mom right if the mom is like looking down yeah um, but that women, uh, like human women, usually the baby's head faces backwards. Okay. So it's like harder to like check for the cord and all of these things. So like it's, um, there's a theory that we evolved to have like an attendant, but there's also some other species like 
I think whales and dolphins and elephants yeah. and bats okay. all have female friends who help a female yeah. give birth. So it's, it's like biological and also that there's research saying that like all of the research that's ever been done about the fight or flight response yep. was only on men. Like completely only on men. Of and course. like until yeah. like I don't remember the exact year, but until like shocking me recently, like all like psychological experiments were only on men because the reasoning was that women have a menstrual cycle so we're hormonal and unpredictable but then like yeah yeah, but then studies show that like men's moods throughout a 28 day period actually have higher highs and lower lows than women so they're like more like all over the place and but like women are a little bit steadier and we're like more predictable because of our hormone cycles Mm -hmm. but anyway the recent research about like stressful situations is that women don't have fight or flight. They have a thing called tend and befriend. Okay. And the idea is like the image of like in caveman times, the men like at the front of the cave like fighting off enemies, and the men in the and the women in the back of the cave like mm-hmm. keeping each other calm and quiet and keeping the children from crying and like okay. keeping them quiet and hidden and like how we found support in other women and babies. Absolutely. And all, a lot of um scientific studies that you can link later about how just like having the presence of a comforting like female presence will calm you down and like no I think even like outside of like just birthing rights is something that yeah everyday experiences you need to like have those friends that you go talk to like women need women to go talk to right you need someone who's like-minded to Mm -hmm. go have a conversation with so it extends into like every walk of life yeah definitely What do you think? Okay, so this whole next month is based on mental health. And obviously, like, I think something, it's never talked about being pregnant, yeah. how to be pregnant, all of that stuff yeah. is not often yeah. spoken about. Yeah. What do you think are, like, the biggest mental health benefits from being with a woman? Oh, for a yeah. Well, yeah. like, yeah, it's huge. Um, I mean, I think I mentioned to you, yeah. like, casually in passing that I learned about a study where women who spend, like, an hour or, like, 40 minutes, two hours, I don't know. A reasonable amount of time every week in a social circle of just women will live on average four to six years longer because it, like, decreases stress hormones. It's like girl talk or, like, like the red tent and all of these things. Um, I think that a lot of postpartum mental health difficulties that people have are because they don't feel supported or they don't feel understood Mm -hmm. or they've had very traumatic birthing experiences where they were really violated by the medical staff and they're they don't feel like validated in speaking about their experiences because they're just like oh at least your baby's happy and healthy or like you're both alive and healthy and women used to die in childbirth all the time so like just be glad and you know all of these things what would you say like are the number one ways people are violated uh i would say like people doing medical procedures without informed consent and decision making so like my friend who didn't even understand that an epidural would numb her yeah or another um friend of mine who had uh her waters broken um which is like you know oh my water broke you know um when that's done medically it will increase um the contractions a lot of the time and the pain but people do it to like 
speed up labor there's medically legitimate reasons to do it too but sometimes there's tons of stories online of women who are like my doctor or midwife just like went ahead and did it and didn't even tell me that they did it um insane yeah things like that or even that like epidurals are like we don't know there's no standard for what kind of drugs are in epidurals every hospital has their own blend of like drugs that they put in it and they don't have to like share with the public what's in them and so it's now not like FDA approved yeah and now we're like hearing that. I don't know if you're familiar with fentanyl but like there's cocktails with fentanyl in it which is like 50 times stronger than heroin oh it's goodness. like what's been the leading cause of like yeah. heroin and opioid like overdoses recently yeah. in the US and Europe because okay. people are lacing it in and yeah. it's just so strong and just imagine being like 30 minutes old and being like high on this like crazy you know that's so true it makes a huge difference in how you bond and all of these things but then at the same time it's like so many women have these really bad experiences giving birth and then later they feel guilty because they feel like they should have been more educated and they should have been more vocal and stood up for themselves but like i mean birth is a very it's like a huge upheaval in all different ways and it's it's not fair to put the onus on the woman to speak up for herself especially in the midst of an experience like that and i feel like the conversation around like um larry nassar has brought a lot to light like the authority that we give to doctors and just Mm -hmm. submitting to whatever they say is best yeah and also that like most of these like tons of victims came forward survivors came forward during the trial you know Mm -hmm. and some of the survivors i've seen interviews where they're like oh i even like till years after the things happened i defended him in my mind and it's like a little bit of stockholm syndrome where they're like i just thought he was a great doctor and blah 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 and it took like a certain triggering event for me to realize that i was really abused and when i look at it it's like it's no doubt that i was abused but it's just like We've just been programmed to kind of, like, suppress these things. And another important thing is that, like, the bonding that happens in the first few hours after birth is, like, so beautiful and so special. But it's, like, not, um, it's not a lost cause. If you're, like, if you had a C-section or if your baby was taken away from you because you were too tired to hold the baby for, like, the first day or two after birth because you had an epidural or any of these things, it's not like your relationship with your child is, like, messed up. Like, there's plenty of other opportunities to make up that bonding so when I and other birth workers speak about like the injustice of like women and babies missing out on those experiences it's not that the mothers should feel guilty about that it's it's that the hospitals and midwives and different places that people give birth need to be reformed and it's not like yeah so many people have this takeaway that they they weren't good enough as as parents because of their birthing experiences and that breaks my heart because it's it's not true and you can definitely make up for it and another thing is that there are um um like trans parents and stuff so when i say mother and woman like i i just do it um because sometimes people get confused but yeah parents of whatever identity if they give birth or if they you know um adopt their children or have their children up for adoption, like all of these different kinds of fam- families. Um, yeah, I don't want to like invalidate any of those kinds of experiences yeah. myself. Whose job do you think it is to educate women? So is that something, should they be doing that beforehand? Yeah. Or like, 
who should make it readily available? Is that something that needs be, to be written into policy? Like, what, what do you think ideally happens? I think, um, you know, there's, like, technical rules about informed consent, right? So they're, right. like, you have to sign paperwork before you have the procedure done. But right. it's, like, the like the drug, like, the antidepressant commercials where they have, like, 100 symptoms just, like, after, you know, immediately after in, like, yeah. 10 seconds after yeah. the commercial. It's, like... The legislation can only do so much to make sure people really know. I think schools, I think it starts with like better sex ed. Okay. I think um, high schoolers of all genders should learn about what happens during birth and what their options are. Mm-hmm. Um, like most people in New York City don't know that Medicaid covers home births. Wow. And it's actually yeah. cheaper than a hospital birth for them. So they're like pretty, they're not like very difficult to work through. And there's midwives who take Medicaid so like if you're yeah. a pregnant teen in New York City maybe you want to give birth in at home but it's it's just not an option that even occurs to most people so education um I'm really interested in making educational like videos and infographics that are like cool looking yeah I feel like a lot Easy of the stuff, stuff yeah the first few I'm like a huge nerd like yeah I, I will sit at a computer for days and just like read studies and look them up yeah but I know there are people who are like what does it mean if something is a scientific study like they're just kind of like lost and um I've had clients who are English um as second or third language speakers and I'll print them out all these studies and I realized that I was just making them feel bad yeah about not reading like piles of information and I'm like okay like I think just the resource we have some amazing resources out there but they're mostly geared toward people who are happy to wade through a lot of like technical language and stuff Mm -hmm. so I feel like we just need like like little 30 second like buzzfeed like recipe videos just like quick statistics and facts about our options and what happens and like youtube videos that are accessible to all different kinds of people and um yeah that's a dream of mine to make that kind of information but yeah readily available that's Mm -hmm. so cool and i think it is something that that is how we consume things nowadays that's like what we've been trying to do too because people either listen to something on the go and that's why podcasts are something easy for us or a lot of our articles are just like straight like yeah this is this is why this is the way it is because nowadays people need that they need to be able to like scroll and be like this is the information i want where can i get it and if there's a platform for it yeah it will yeah 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 and like i don't know if a website looks really poorly if a website looks like it was designed in the 80s like before internet (laughs) like people are gonna feel like it's a fringe thing to hire a doula or look into other options and it shouldn't be it should be mainstream i mean like in the uk they have tons of midwives like it's not um I don't know, there's countries that have mandated as a human right that all birthing parents should have a doula covered by, like, federal insurance, so it's, like, it's not, like, a crazy hippie thing. I was texting my sister today, and she was, like, oh, I have a friend who wants a, who, who's pregnant, but, um, I don't think she wants a doula, I'm not sure if she wants a natural birth, so I don't know, she probably doesn't want a doula, and I was, like, listen, like, even if she wants a planned cesarean, like, I can, I'm still trained to come and support her. Yeah. It's not just for natural births, either, so. Exactly. And natural birth isn't just for, like, crazy hardcore people, or any of that, yeah. Yeah, so it's all, all goes back and forth. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview. SAGE is an advocate for women and fights for what women deserve to be knowledgeable and connected during their birthing process. 
We hope you enjoyed our podcast. This month, we're exploring mental health and we want to hear your stories. If you have any stories or experience in your life that you want to share, reach out to us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, and send us an email at dosageofrepartee at gmail.com or check out our website at sub-stances.com. Substances is in the process of undergoing a rebranding process, and in the upcoming months, expect to see new content and exciting changes at our website. Talk to you next week.